a Radio 191 FM podcast. Monday through to Thursday at 9.05 a.m. on the Radio 1 Breakfast Show, our resident political aficionado, John Moore, drops by to deliver bite-sized politics. From the Octagon to the Beehive, to the White House to the Kremlin, as it happens, here's your political roundup. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm very good. Kia ora koutou. And on today's political roundup, latest political poll, and Israel... Folau's hate speech controversy. So first on the latest poll, the latest one used Colmar Brunton poll is out and it has Labour on 48%, up 3%, so they'll be happy, yep. and National on 40%, down 2%, so they mm. will be rather unhappy. And Jacinda Ardern has received her highest poll rating ever. The Prime Minister is on 51%. 51, yeah. So pretty good. Opposition leader Simon Bridges, though, won't be feeling so happy with a low level of support of 5%. And Bridges... I, was, I thought that that must have been an error when I saw the graphic. He's always been hovering around 5 6%. I had no yeah. idea that it was so low. I uh, will confess. Um, but yeah. But as we discussed yesterday, it didn't really matter as long as the National Party was the highest mm. polling party, which is yeah. no longer the case. And also we have Judith Collins on 5%, so yeah. that will be making uh, Simon Bridges rather nervous. Now onto the minor parties, the Greens are on 6%, uh, so they'll be reasonably happy with that. They're now above the 5% threshold required to get back in Parliament. However, New Zealand First is below the necessary threshold, and on only 4% of the election held right now, they'd be wiped out. Mm. So, yes, uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens there. Now, Labour will be happy with this poll, which now confirms that they are the most popular party in New Zealand. And to say Jacinda Ardern should be pleased with her high level of support. However, it's important to remember that Ardern here has not matched the high levels of support that previous Prime Minister John Key reached at the Mm. peak of his popularity, nor that of Helen Clark. Now, at his most popular, Key was on 59% as preferred Prime Minister, and that was just after the Christchurch earthquakes. And Helen Clark got up to 52% at the end of her first term as Prime Minister. So I guess a question, it might seem an odd question, but a question that needs to be asked is why is Adun not even more popular than she is? Uh, at 51%, she's not doing too badly, but with her international fame and status and the praise poured on to her by New Zealand media, shouldn't she be doing even better? Shouldn't she be at least be as popular as John Key was at his peak? Now, I would argue that one problem may be that Jacinda Ardern's government is yet to deliver on its big promises. Uh, Labour's ostensible agenda, at least, to eliminate child poverty, to raise incomes for workers, to make housing affordable for all, and to deal with climate change and environmental issues, have all yet to be met. Yet Mm, to be met. So if the Labour-led government can show that its politics of love and compassion leads to concrete material improvements, then this party will be on to a winner. However, if Jacinda Ardern's talk of love and empathy is not met with solid policy developments over the next year or so, then I would argue that Ardern's current level of support are likely to drop. So rhetoric needs to to meet with reality if this Labour-led government is to maintain its current levels of support and is to be guaranteed a second term. Mm. And, of course, there is no guarantee. Yeah, certainly. Now, on to Australian rugby player Israel 
Fo Lau, uh, who is now seen as toxic due to his hate speech that he's been delivering on social media. So Fo Lau is persona non grata after tweeting his conservative Christian beliefs regarding homosexuality and other so-called sins. The Aussie rugby player has stated that he believes that drugs, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists and adulterers have hell awaiting for them. So I'm not sure how many you can tick off as, the air. As an atheist, <laughs> as an atheist who's been told, uh, warned about hell a, a lot, the the irony is not lost yes. on me. <laughs> now the Australian Rugby Union has effectively sacked Folau for his comments, and his his sporting career is all but over. And even rugby league, he's played rugby league before, and he's played Aussie rules, and certainly. The rugby league in Australia said they want nothing to do with him. Yeah. Um, so there seems to be little support for him now, and his comments have certainly made him a pariah. And the media consensus is that Folau deserves to be punished and ostracised for his comments. However, big political question, should someone be fired from their job for expressing their belief system? Maybe, if their belief system is found to be offensive to many... And many now argue that we actually have a right to not be offended. However, if we want a society with religious and political freedoms, does this mean that the likes of Folau should be able to express their views without risk of censor? Many people will find Folau views so offensive that they would support the punishment he has received from the Australian Rugby Union. But should a private body or a private corporation like Australia Rugby be able to police pe- people's views? People have a right to harshly criticise Folau, and his obnoxious views should be decried, in my view. However, the problem is his beliefs actually do have a firm basis in the Christian text, the Bible, a conservative reading of the Bible, at least. Do they know? Absolutely, yeah, I mean, uh, sodomites, adulterers, uh, yes, Uh, have a place in hell. That is a whole other Uh, argument that I would be happy to have, but not on air. And in fact, all the Abrahamic religious texts from the Torah to the Quran contain what could be defined by some as hate speech against homosexuals, atheists, and people of non-Abrahamic religious beliefs. Hate speech against pretty much everyone, though. So like it or not, hundreds of million people in the world follow such belief systems. Some take these texts literally, some take them more liberally as metaphors. and certainly we, we can limit offence by banning such ideas and punishing those who promote the most vile view, views contained in these religious texts. But if we ban all vile views, could we find ourselves living in a totalitarian society where the power of the state and of private corporations are massively enhanced? Maybe that's a necessary price to pay for banning hate speech. A counter-argument would be that it's better to challenge hate speech with more free speech. That is, that we should use our political and civil freedoms to challenge and decry toxic views. So finally, the question we should all ask ourselves, does suppressing homophobia and other toxic views actually make such hateful views disappear? Or will they fester away? Well, that's, uh, again, uh, an interesting conversation and one that we're not going to be able to resolve right no. here and now because it's the same with uh, New Zealand talking about how, oh, we're not a racist country. Ah, uh, yeah, actually, we mm. are. The fact that you're white just means that you're not affected by it. Uh, mm. And it's similar to the, the aftermath of the effects of the attacks in Christchurch, that white supremacists and Nazis aren't going away 
they're just going back into the closet mm, mm. Uh, or or under the bed. And again, like, uh, yes, there's arguments to be made about uh, the reading of a lot of religious texts. Mm. Um, and I, I think the damaging thing is uh, the broadcasting of these views. But also, I mean, my opinion is just as valid as everyone else's. Mm. Um, I mean, the difficult thing is if a, a body like the rugby union suddenly comes up with a whole list of what things you can't say and what beliefs you're meant to actually promote publicly, then it, it gives corporations immense power to actually control their workers yeah. in terms of not just what they say and do they in the workplace... Already, there's uh, already massive controls over what people can and can't do in terms of, hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the ridiculous things about uh, sports players and the, the, uh, all of the associates. Uh, less so uh, in New Zealand sports, but oh. certainly uh, in a lot of the large American uh, teams, sure. it's, uh, there's uh, huge controls over what players can and can't do with their personal time, mm. um, which is yeah uh, a, a conversation that we should have as a society. Um, I think so. Yeah, but uh, I I I. I'll be frank, I don't know the answer. Mm. Um, and also, um, as neither uh, a member of the LGBT plus community or a religious person, I don't necessarily think that my views are 100% valid. Mm. Um, or uh, I think that there are probably people more affected uh, that we should... I guess um, it because the problem though, where you have two marginalised groups, let's say... Uh, um, Pacifica, who are predominantly Christian and adhere to conservative Christian beliefs, um, and, and when someone like so, Folau's uh, views aren't going to be unorthodox within the Pacifica community. Uh, he's expressing them very strongly, but they won't be unorthodox. Uh, and, and, and then you have LGBT people who are equally oppressed. So you have this conflict between arguably two oppressed groups. Same with. Um, uh, conservative Muslims who would generally hold um, similar views to Folau's, if not even more uh, um, conservative, and 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 so should do we really want the state suppressing the views of these marginalised groups, even if if we find their views offensive, or is it better to have a uh, arena where we can openly debate out these ideas and challenge these ideas? Uh, a, a very good question um, and again no uh, simple answer <laughs> no no simple answer um, but you've certainly given me something to think about thank you very much uh, for your time this morning John that was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast you can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found